Well, a very warm welcome to those of you uh, here in the building and a warm welcome to those worshipping online with us as well. It's wonderful to have you as we come to induct uh, Sarb Clare as a pastor for pastoral care and training here at Long Crendon Baptist Church. It's a great time to give thanks, to give thanks for really answers to prayer, answers to prayer over a long period of time as we've been praying and planning to call a pastor to serve here in the area of uh, training and care, pastoral care. And as such, really our hearts as we come to worship the Lord this morning should be overflowing with thanks. Thanks not that comes from ourselves and what we do, but thanks for what the Lord has done for us. And as Neil brings the the word of God to us later from uh, Colossians, let me read a a couple of verses from the letter to the Colossians uh, in chapter 2, verse 6 and 7, as we think of all that we have in our Lord Jesus and all that he's done for us as we are united to him by faith. So in Colossians 2, verse 6 and 7, it says this, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith, faith as, you were, as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your gracious goodness to us in our Lord Jesus. We thank you that our lives are in him, that we are hidden in him, that we would be rooted and built up in him, that we would be strengthened to be overflowing with thankfulness. Lord God, we thank you for that. We thank you for Jesus, and we pray that you would help us to lift our eyes, lift our hearts to him, to worship him. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, by uh, by way of explanation of, of what we're going to do this morning, uh, Sarb has already been ordained, which is a recognition that he's been called by God uh, to be a minister or a pastor in a local church in a wider church. Uh, But we and he believe that at this particular time, in this particular place, he has been called to serve here at Long Crendon Baptist Church. And so we're inducting him or commissioning him for ministry in this church. And what we're going to hear now are reports, reports firstly by one of our elders, uh, Nigel Smith, as we hear how the church has discerned uh, the call for him to be here. And then we'll hear from Saab on his calling as well. One of the reasons it's important to discern uh, calling and, in a sense, discern the Lord's will as we come to serve him, especially as a pastor, is that as a pastor, it's a tremendous privilege to serve God's people. And yet it's also a huge challenge, uh, a challenge and a responsibility because it, we are dependent, we look to grow the, the people of God in their, in their spiritual walk with Jesus. And so we want to be responsible in that. And that's something that the, the devil himself doesn't really want to see. So we enter into a bit of a battle zone, a, a spiritual warfare, if you like. But if we are confident that God has called us to serve him, then we can also be reassured reassured that he is with us, that he will strengthen us as he has called us to do his work. And so in times, maybe when we feel like giving up, we can be reassured that God is with us in that calling. And we can be reminded, you can be reminded, Sarb, that God is with you as you've been called here. So let me pass over to Nigel. 
I'm just going to try and capture the last year in about two minutes. Um, so it'll just be a very summary report. Um, when we started the process of searching for an assistant pastor for LCBC, the eldership and membership had a clear sense that we were looking for someone with a clear pastoral gift and who was also able to take a lead role with the church training programs. But most of all, we knew that whoever came would need to be God's choice. The way Saab got to hear about our search for a pastor could have been viewed as coincidence, but we believe it was God's guiding hand in the process. Reading Saab's CV, his testimony, and seeing clear evidence of fruitfulness in his Christian ministry, it is clear we wanted to meet him. Prior to COVID, sermon recordings were quite hard to come by, but with YouTube services online, it was no problem getting to see Saab in action, and we liked what we saw. When we met as an eldership with Saab, we were able to hear his wonderful journey to faith in Jesus, his hunger for God's word, and his desire to see the lost saved and those around him grow in maturity and fruitfulness in Christ. These qualities, his natural warmth and humility, came across very strongly. References from his church at St. Nick's in Thames Ditton, where he was serving as curate, and from long-standing friends, also consistently referred to these qualities. So we came to the point where we felt it was right that we recommend to the membership that Saab would come to preach with a view and that he and Karen would get the opportunity to meet church members. That sounds easy in principle, but with COVID-19 limitations on gatherings, it meant that many of us had to attend services via Zoom and that the opportunity to meet Saab and Karen in person could only be extended to some of the congregation, such as home group and ministry team leaders. So it was important that we got feedback that the whole membership could hear. After that, the church came together remotely to pray and talk and discern the Holy Spirit's guidance. It became evident that the character and qualities we had seen through the interview process were clear to the membership as a whole. And together we came to a decision that Saab was the Lord's man for LCBC. And we hoped that Saab and Karen would feel that LCBC was where God was calling them. So we are delighted that Saab and Karen accepted the call and they have joined us in Long Crendon. It has been great to see them with us over the recent weeks and begin to get to know them both. We look forward to being challenged and encouraged by Saab's ministry. We wonder with excitement how God will use both their ministry in the church and the wider community. And with Saab and Karen as a whole church, we wait to see how God will build us together as living stones as he continues to build his spiritual house, his church. I'm going to hand over to Saab now to respond and give an account of his calling. Thank you, Saab. Thank you, Nigel. Uh, I've discerned uh, God calling Karen and I uh, to LCB through a mixture of passion, place and prayer. It wouldn't be a talk from me if it didn't have that same letter starting three different points. Uh, firstly, passion. Uh, my heart and my life has been won by Christ. And as I seek to grow to be more like Christ, I long for others to meet Christ and to see their lives changed by him. And I can see that God has placed in my heart desires that are aligned with the LCBC family. Uh, looking back, I can see that God planted me and raised me in 
word-rooted, gospel-believing and proclaiming Anglican churches in Godalming, then at St. Helens and Bishopsgate, and then on to St. Andrew the Great in Cambridge. Now, these churches, they nurtured and built on my passion for teaching, for caring for people, discipling one-on-one, evangelism, and faithfully preaching at the whole council of God. And I look back and I see that God has been at work readying me to serve the church family here. Uh, in the last four years in Thames Ditton, my training incumbent, Andrew, who's here with us this morning, uh, and I partnered in the gospel through prayer, faithful preaching, teaching, evangelism, pastoral care, home groups, raising and developing leaders and youth work as well, as well as missional outreach. And as we broke ground, sowed the seed and watered the soil, we've seen God do amazing things uh, in that place. People coming to faith, growing in their love and knowledge of the Lord Jesus. And for those who had lost their desire for the Lord, having that joy rekindled. Uh, All of the churches where Karen and I have served, it's been a real life-giving joy for us to be with Bereans, those of Acts 17, who received the word with eagerness, examined diligently the scriptures, and believed. And from conversations I've already had with various members of the church family here, I can see many people like that, and that's incredibly exciting. Also in our ministry over the years, Karen and I have really thrived when we've served together, working as a ministry couple opening up our home and engaging in hospitality. And there are many areas here where we believe we can do that too. LCBC is a place where Karen and I look forward to serving together. And I can see how much of uh, the role here at LCB is an extension or a continuation of the ways in which I've been serving an extension of the way that God has been using me for his kingdom purposes, not just through my time at Thames Ditton, but in all the settings that he has placed me, church and non-church. And as a result, when the position of pastor uh, arose here, the role description really stirred my heart. There's a clear alignment of passions that LCBC has and the passions and giftings that God has placed in my heart. Secondly, there's place. Uh, For over 20 years, Karen and I served in our church in Godalming, a small town in a semi-rural setting. Our time in Thames Ditton was, despite its location in Greater London, a village. The road layout meant that that place actually works like a village. There's a real village feel. And Karen and I really enjoy and flourish in a smaller setting where we can get to know people and to be known. And Along Crendon is a place like that. Also through the providential timing of our daughter Hannah's courting and engagement of the drummer Elliot Kratz, <laughs> chapeau, uh, we've been able to get a real feel for the village and to prayerfully imagine ourselves here and to know God's peace in that. And thirdly, there's prayer. Karen and I have been faithfully praying that God would send us to serve in a prayerful church that knows and loves Christ, a family of believers who hold firmly to the scripture who long to see lives changed by Jesus and lives that reach into the community with the gospel message and that loves one another and its community. Now, we didn't have the name LCBC, but with hindsight, we were praying to come here. Initially, we searched for that place inside the Church of England, but God closed those doors to us. And as we prayed about where God would place us in his service, the Holy Spirit reminded me of Ephesians 3.20 that we worship the one who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. And it's his leading that brought Karen and me to this place. And that's more 
that we could have thought or asked. And it's because the pastor role here is by no means a small one or a trivial one. Uh, And to me, it seemed that I wasn't the obvious candidate. So we approach the robust selection process here with an attitude of surrender. Only if God's hand was on this would we find ourselves placed here. And I had a great sense of peace throughout. And so the Lord's been in our prayers and we look back, we can see his hand all over this. So as we've reflected on our passions, this place and our prayers, we can see that God has indeed called us to serve in this place, to be a blessing in this place. And all this so that we can bring glory to God. Thanks, Sarah. Well, as we as we think about uh, Sarb's calling here to the church, we we also think of God's calling on each one of our lives and how He has called us to Himself by His grace. We're going to sing about that His amazing grace, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. It's wonderful to see so many people in the building again. Uh, we come now to the questions to put to Saab concerning his uh, responsibility as a pastor here at LCBC. So Saab, if you'd like to come to, to the front. And I'll read some relevant verses from the, the Bible before each question that I put to him. So firstly, Saab, concerning your responsibility to teach. In 2 Timothy, it says this, In the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead. And in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. So it's our question to you. Will you commit yourself to teaching and preaching God's word carefully and patiently, both in rebuke and encouragement, so that we as a church may grow in the knowledge and love of God? I will. Secondly, concerning your responsibility to lead by godly example, Titus 1 says, Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. Sasab, will you seek to live a godly life and in so doing model Christian discipleship to us? I will. And finally, concerning your responsibility of shepherding the flock, uh, 1 Peter 5 says this, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. And not lording it over those entrusted to you but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. So, Saab, will you serve us by giving leadership to the church, both as a shepherd and as an overseer? And will you commit yourself to diligent prayer for us? I will. Great. Well, now we have a couple of questions to you as a church concerning uh, your responsibility to to Saab. So can I ask you please to, to stand at this point? Because the Bible teaches us how the church should respond to its leaders. Um, again, I'll read a verse and then ask you a question. 
to which uh, I would ask you to respond, um, particularly if you're here in the building. But if you're at home, please do respond to this question as well, because uh, the Lord will hear your answer to, to that question. So first we're reading about our responsibility to pray for our leaders. In Colossians 4, Paul writes, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. So will you, the members of this church, as well as the friends and family of Saab, commit yourselves to pray for him and encourage him to proclaim the gospel clearly and faithfully? We will. Great. Secondly, a reading about our responsibility to respect our leaders. In Hebrews 13, it says, Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority, because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy not a burden, for that will be of no benefit to you. So this to, to members of this church. Do you, members of this church, acknowledge and receive Saab as a pastor of this church? And do you promise to support and encourage him and submit to his authority so that his work is a joy and not a burden? We Saab, in the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we gladly welcome you into the pastorate here at LCBC. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace this day and always. Amen. Well, if you can take a seat, we're now going to pray for Saab and uh, different people are going to come up and pray for him. Colin's going to start by praying for his pastoral ministry and faithful teaching. And then Nigel, uh, Jeff Wood rather, Nigel's coming up as well as one of the elders. Um, Jeff Wood's going to pray uh, for his godly example. And then after that, Liz will come up, our women's work, and pray for Saab and Karen um, for their marriage and their ministry. And as we do uh, pray for Saab, we're going to uh, lay hands on him. This is a New Testament practice. Um, it says that this person has been set apart by God. Um, we're asking God to anoint him with his Holy Spirit and bless his ministry. So that laying on of hands is a visible uh, symbol of that anointing. So over to Colin. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your gracious goodness to us in our Lord Jesus. We thank you for, for Sarb, uh, for calling him here to LCBC to serve your people. And Lord, we pray that you would help him to, to love your word, to love uh, scripture, that it would speak to him daily in his devotions, that that would overflow into his ministry, that he would pour out the love of Christ into the lives of others. We pray that he would be a man of devotion, a man of prayer with Karen as well. We pray that you would be helping them to bow before you each morning and evening, continually asking for all things in Christ's name. And we pray that you would help him to make much of Christ, to exhort Christ in everything, in his life and his teaching. We pray that you would help him to, that we would see Jesus Christ through his teaching in every opportunity. And Father, we pray that you would help him to make much of the grace of our Lord Jesus and what he has done for us, that Saab would, would preach uh, our sinfulness, our desperate need of you, 
and the amazing grace of our Lord Jesus and what he has done for us. I pray that you would help him to preach all of scripture, every word that comes from the mouth of God. We pray that you would help him to preach in and out of season every word to us, that it would help us to to be built up, to be more made into the image of our Lord Jesus. We pray that you would help him to delight in the Lord, to love you, Father, in every way in his life. And we pray that that would overflow into the love of your people here. And we pray that you would just bless his life, his ministry, uh, all the things that you would place his hand upon, that that would be a blessing to all those here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The prayer for godliness. Father, we pray for Saab and ask that he live a godly life. We pray that he will be totally devoted to you in all of his thoughts, all of his desires, and all of his actions. We pray that he will continue to grow in his knowledge and practice of the fear of the Lord. May he be constantly aware that he is a child of God, dearly loved and precious to you. May he ever be mindful of your gracious and merciful salvation from eternal suffering. We pray that Saab will obey the command to love the Lord your God with all his heart and all his strength and all his might. We pray for patience in affliction, trust in the darkness, faithfulness in times of doubt, and steadfastness in times of testing. We pray for spiritual hunger and thirst and a daily desire to be close to you. May Saab walk with you as Enoch walked with you. May he keep to the straight and narrow way and never stray to the left or to the right. And may he keep in step with the Spirit and be ever sensitive to his leading and guiding. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And now we're going to ask uh, Karen to come up and Liz is going to pray for both Karen and, and Sarah as well. So Karen, if you stand here. Let us pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for bringing Saab and Karen to us here at LCBC. We pray that they would settle quickly into their new home, the church family and the local community. We thank you for their marriage and pray that you would always be at the centre of it and would protect them in the years ahead. In the busyness of ministry, we ask that you would help them to always make time for each other and we pray that their marriage would be a great witness and example to those around. May their home be a place where people feel welcomed and at ease. And please help us as a church family to remember our responsibility towards them and to be committed to praying for them both regularly as a couple and as individuals. We do particularly want to pray for Karen as she supports and works alongside Saab in his ministry. Please help her to always have a desire to know you more deeply, to grow in her faith and trust in you, and that she would always have a hunger to feed on your word. Keep her walking closely with you day by day, and may her identity always be in knowing who she is in Christ. We thank you for the gifts you've given Karen, and pray that you would guide and give her wisdom as she explores where you want her to serve. We do ask that you would sustain them both in the years to come as they face the many joys and the challenges of being involved in ministry. Help them to keep their eyes fixed on Jesus as they serve and encourage the church family and as they reach out to those in our community. 
and may your kingdom grow and your name be glorified through their ministry here in Longcrendon. And we pray all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Uh, and now Sarb's son, uh, Jamie, is going to bring the reading for us today before Neil comes up to preach. So. This morning's reading is from Colossians chapter 1, verse 24 to chapter 2, verse 5. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments, for though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. Thanks very much, Jamie. Let's pray as we come to, to God's word. Father God, we thank you that in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And we pray this morning as we come to your word that you would reveal those treasures to us, that you'd encourage us in heart and unite us in love. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as you may know, it should have been um, Saab's friend and prayer partner, Jacob Harrison, speaking this morning, but uh, sadly he's gone down with COVID, so we do continue to pray for his, uh, his full recovery. I hope it's a great privilege to, to be able to speak at Saab's um, induction service this morning. And have also many visitors from Saab's Church, St. Nick's, uh, welcome to, to you all. Um, I'm assuming your presence here this morning shows the high regard that you held Saab in. Either that or just making sure that he's gone. Um, but, uh, no, I'm sure I speak on behalf of the church here to say that, that we're pretty excited about receiving Saab as our new pastor. And for him and Karen together to be joining our church family. And it's great to have the rest of the family here with us uh, this morning to join in and celebrate this, this occasion. But I guess different people here will have different expectations on Saab. Um, there'll be different things that people want most from him, different ideas of how he should prioritize his time, what his goals should be, and how he should be working towards them. 
So as we think that through, I thought it would be helpful this morning to look at what the Apostle Paul said about his own role. Because yes, he was an apostle, he had a unique role, um, but much of that is what a pastor would be called to do today. So looking at Paul's letter to the church in Colossae, and in the first chapter of the letter we find out, interestingly enough, that Paul has never actually visited Colossae, but he's heard a lot about the church there. And Paul praises the Lord because of what he's heard about their faith in Lord Jesus Christ, their love for all God's people, and their hope in the gospel. And although he's never met them, he has a real passion for them. He thanks God for them, and he prays for them because they're part of the church of Christ. So what is his main concern for them? Well, the first thing we see as we read from verse 24 is that uh, he's called to serve the church of Christ. Look at verse 24 there. It says, Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me. Saab's first responsibility as a pastor is to serve you. Uh, we still use the word serve and service a lot today, don't we? Uh, a restaurant wants to offer its uh, clients a good service. We give reviews on the quality of the service that we get. Hotels have their, their TripAdvisor rating posted on the wall, assuming it's good enough, and it's usually 4.5, isn't it? But we don't use the word servant so much, do we? Maybe because servant somehow has the connotations of being inferior or outdated, something out of Downton Abbey, not 21st century UK, not a role you would maybe willingly accept. We still have ministers today, church ministers, government ministers, a prime minister. And I wonder whether people realize what that word means is actually just servant. They're all servants. Paul said his role was to serve the church. And to serve the church is to put the interests of the church before your own. That doesn't mean you can't lead and be a servant at the same time. But it means that when you lead, you're not doing something which is good for you, but which you believe is good for those that you are serving. You are leading them in the direction you think they should go, and which God thinks they should go. And the key test of whether someone is really putting the interests of others before themselves is if they are prepared to suffer on behalf of those they serve. Paul says, I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. And Paul underwent amazing suffering, didn't he? Um, you can read about it in 2 Corinthians 11, if you like, later on. Floggings, stonings, imprisonment, shipwrecks. It's amazing, actually, he's still alive at this point. But why would he rejoice in those sufferings? After all, most of us try and avoid sufferings. We do everything we can to avoid them. But uh, Paul says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. If we are suffering for the church of Christ, then we're not suffering on our own. Christ is suffering with us. And so in our suffering, we're becoming more united to him and we're becoming more like him. The reason Paul was prepared to suffer was for the sake of his body, which is the church. He was a better teacher because of his suffering. His faith was real. It wasn't theoretical. 
He knew what it was like to have Christ by his side through all his afflictions. And he could pass that encouragement on to others for their benefit. A pastor needs to be prepared to suffer for his church. So I've been become a pastor for an easy life. That's not to say it's not enjoyable, it's not a privilege, but it's not easy. Uh, the challenges may not be on the same level as Paul's here, but you are entering a spiritual battle, as we heard earlier from, from Colin. You may face criticism, both uh, to your face and behind your back. People will let you down. You experience heartaches. The worst being when people backslide in their faith and, re- and reject Christ or fall out with, with one another. You're so emotionally involved in people's lives that when they suffer, you suffer. And your family suffers because you can't separate your ministry from your your family life. So if serving and suffering are an inevitable part of being a pastor, you need to know that God has called you to that role. And Paul says here, I've become the church's servant by the commission God gave me. Sarp hasn't just come to this church, as we heard earlier from their reports, because we thought he was the best candidate. He has been commissioned by God, and that is what today is about. Responding to that commissioning through the promises that uh, Saab has made and that you have made and praying for God's strength for him to fulfill that role. The pastor is called to serve the church. But in what ways does he do that? Well, he serves the church by proclaiming Christ. Verse 25 continues, I've become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom. So what does it mean to proclaim Christ? If you've got your Bibles open, have a look back at that previous chapter, verse 15 to 23, and you'll see there Paul has already been proclaiming Christ in this letter to them. He's been proclaiming the supremacy of Christ, the sufficiency of Christ. He's been proclaiming Christ as the Christ of history as well as the Christ of eternity. He's been proclaiming Christ as creator and redeemer, the one who reconciled us to God. And so... To proclaim, to present to you the word of God in its fullness and to proclaim Christ are really the same thing. It is to make Christ known. That is why God has given us his word, to, to reveal Christ to us. We can't know Christ without knowing his word. When Christ was on this earth and, and he pre- preached in person, which was the main ministry he came to do, he proclaimed himself as the one through whom people could know God. As we preach now, we proclaim Christ as the way to God. But what exactly did Paul proclaim about Christ? Well, the answer was there in verse 27. He proclaimed Christ in you, the hope of glory. And in those six words, all we have is the amazing and the the humbling truth that Christ, the Son of God, in all his power, by his Spirit, can dwell in us. We can have such an intimate relationship with him. He is our personal saviour and our Lord. What we expect from Saab is not uh, 
just someone who can present the person of Christ in all his amazing glory, but someone whose life has been personally changed by Christ, that we can see Christ in him. And as your pastor, as we've heard already, he has a responsibility to model such a, a life to you. But you also have a responsibility to model that to the world. And he will seek to equip you to do that. Because if people see how different our lives are, then as a result of Christ living in us, then they will want to know more about who this Jesus Christ is. And one of the main differences they will see if they see Christ in us is that we have the hope of glory. The thing that has kept most people going through lockdown has been that sense of hope. But what do people put their hope in? For most people, it's been a hope in a, a vaccine eventually being uh, discovered and rolled out. It's been a hope of finally one day we would come out of lockdown and they'll be able to see each other again. What has kept us going as Christians is a much greater hope, a hope that the world needs to hear. And that is the hope of future glory. That this world, with all its pain and suffering, is not all there is. That Jesus will come again. He will renew this world. He will wipe out sin and suffering. And he will renew us as we meet him face to face. Our salvation will become complete. And we will enter into his glory. Paul was called to serve, which involved suffering. He was called to proclaim Christ and the hope of glory. But what ultimately was the purpose of that? What was his supreme concern? What was his goal? Well, finally, his goal was to present everyone fully mature in Christ. Have a look at verse 28. It says, Christ is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. The goal of Paul, the goal of uh, Saab and Colin and myself as your pastors, is to present everyone fully mature in Christ. That means the current members of this church, that means others that God willing will become Christians and become members in God's timing. The great commission that Jesus gave to his disciples before he ascended into heaven was to go into the world to make disciples, teaching them to obey everything that he had commanded them, baptizing them. They were disciples themselves and they were called to go out and make disciples In other words, they never stopped actually learning, and nor were the new disciples or learners. We will never have learned all we need to know this side of eternity. Church is about coming together to learn and to grow as disciples of Jesus. A younger son, Zach, had his uh, driving test scheduled last year for the beginning of uh, April, and when the first lockdown came, it was cancelled. And he had to wait until August before he was finally able to do it. Of course, like most young people, all he wanted to do was get his license so he could drive. That was the most important thing for him. But of course, passing a driving test does not automatically make you a good driver. And in that four months of waiting, uh, he actually gained a lot of experience that made him a better driver. To make disciples is not about getting people through a test that gives them a license for heaven. When you become a follower of Jesus, yes, your future in heaven is guaranteed, but you never stop learning and growing and deepening your faith. Making disciples is about teaching people to obey Jesus. Church is a school from which we never graduate, however long we've been a believer, until we reach heaven. 
The main teacher may be the pastor, but all of you as members have a responsibility to help each other grow and become mature in your faith. Paul travelled widely throughout uh, the Mediterranean, planting new churches at a time when travel was hard work. But he didn't just come in as a celebrity preacher, make loads of converts, and then disappear and move on to the next one. He stayed in some places months, if not years. He returned to places where he'd started churches. He wrote letters to churches that he'd set up. He prayed for them. He didn't separate evangelism from discipleship. His goal was to present everyone fully mature in Christ. And that involved, as it says here, admonishing and teaching with all wisdom. For someone to grow, they, they need to have the truth taught to them. They need to have false ideas corrected. It's the same as what it says in 2 Timothy 3. All scripture is inspired by God and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Two positive attributes, uh, they're the teaching and training, and two negative ones, rebuking, correcting. But the two go hand in hand. To admonish is not simply the same as uh, pointing someone's mistakes out to them. Admonishing is a, is a hard thing to do. It has to be done with gentleness and respect. Because ultimately you don't want to convince someone they're wrong. You want to get someone to see for themselves that they're wrong. To learn from it. To grow as a result. After all, we learn more from our mistakes than from getting everything right. But if the goal is maturity, what exactly does it mean to be fully mature? But Paul tells us some of what it means in the opening verses of chapter 2. He says, My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. The two key aspects of maturity here are understanding wisdom, knowledge on one hand, and encouragement in heart and unity of love on the other. And what these demonstrate is that maturity is about a a growing depth of faith in Jesus Christ and living that faith out more and more in love for others. You can't have one without the other. As it says in 1 John, this is his command to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, And to love one another as he commanded us. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love, is what John wrote. The thing is we can't grow in love for others in our own strength. If I were to say to myself, I'm going to to set myself this year the goal of growing in love. I'm going to really help people. I'm going to put them first, not say an unkind word, fall out with anyone. That would be a great resolution But on what basis would I be doing that? Ultimately, I'll be trying to do it in my own strength and I would fail. If, on the other hand, I asked the Lord to reveal to me in his word his love for me so that my heart would change, that I would grow in my love for him, and that would lead me to love others and grow my love for them. I'll take another example. If you're not encouraged in heart, as it says here, because you you worry a lot. Or you, maybe you lack courage in being a Christian. Do you say, well, this year I'm going to, I'm not going to worry about anything. Um, I'm going to tell everybody about Jesus, whatever. Well, how long is that going to last? If, on the other hand, you said, Lord, fill me 
with a conviction of your sovereign power. Fill me with a sense of your control over my life. Fill me with the courage of your Holy Spirit. Show me in the Bible where you promise to never leave me nor forsake me. Make those words real to me so that I need never worry. That will produce a lasting change and a growth in maturity. Paul was so committed to this thing, this, uh, this goal of seeing Christians grow to maturity that he says in verse 29, to this end, I strenuously contend in all his strength. No, with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. He's doing all he possibly can, but relying on the energy that Christ gives him. A pastor's work never ends. Um, There's always someone else you could visit, someone you can phone or email, always people who are not yet Christians you can hang out with, always a new training course you can prepare, always something in church life that can be improved. So as you pray for Saab, do um, pray first of all for his relationship with Christ. Pray that he would keep focused on that goal of presenting everyone fully mature in Christ. Pray for wisdom for him to know how to prioritize his time. Pray for energy for him to do what God wants him to do. God will give us all sufficient energy to do the things that he wants us to do. And if we're running out of energy in ministry, then either we're doing too much or we're relying on our own strength or we're doing things that maybe God just doesn't want us to do. God is not interested in what we have done in our strength, but in what we have achieved relying on all the energy Christ so powerfully works in us. So as we finish, to present to everyone mature in Christ is the goal. It's the supreme concern of a pastor. But I hope it's the goal of all of you. I hope that you will want to grow maturity and you will want to help others grow in maturity as well. We don't want to be a bunch of complacent Christians who come to church and out of habit, who got stuck in their ways, or a bunch of defeatist Christians who don't believe they can change. The God we worship is a powerful God for whom nothing is impossible. And we look forward with excitement to seeing him grow his people to maturity through the work of his servants in this place. Let me finish with some wonderful words from chapter 5 of this letter to the Colossians, which provides a wonderful picture of the church as it should be. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you again that you've called Saab to serve you in this church and for equipping him in the ministry that you have given him to proclaim Christ, the hope of glory. We pray that over the coming years, many will put their trust in Christ as a result of his ministry and that of Karen as well. We pray that you'll keep them firm in their faith.
and pray you'd equip Saab as he seeks to teach and admonish with all wisdom in order to present everyone mature in Christ. Help him to, to contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in him. And we pray that for the whole church, that we will all work together using the gifts you've given us in the goal of presenting each other mature in Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Let me close with the words from First Peter. First Peter 4, verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen.